Passionate, driven, enthusiastic, euphoric. This is who we are as entrepreneurs. But how we leverage these incredible attributes to dream and build businesses that scale and grow is what this podcast is all about. Hello, I'm attorneypreneur Josh Brown, and welcome to Franchise Euphoria. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. I am thrilled to have Peter Dunn here today. Peter is well known as Pete the Planner, and he's an award-winning comedian and an award-winning financial mind. He's the author of 10 books, six of which were featured in a nationwide launch at Barnes & Noble's stores in January of 2015. He's also the host of the popular radio show, The Pete the Planner Show, on 93 WIBC-FM, and is a columnist for the Indie Star. Pete has appeared regularly on CNN Headline News, Fox News, Fox Business, as well as numerous nationally syndicated radio programs. In 2012, Sissian named Pete the fourth most influential financial broadcaster in the nation. Hello, Pete, and welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Josh. So... From comedy to financial planning, huh? I mean, it seems to make perfect sense for me. Oh, man. Yeah. So early in my financial planning days, uh, I, you know, I was just building my business. But on the weekends, I let my creative passions run loose in the world of uh, stand-up and improv comedy. Uh, so I lived separate lives until the Pete the Planner brand came around in 2005, 2006. And I just slammed the two together and, well, the rest is kind of history. Well, so tell me, before we dive into the whole financial side of things, tell me about that, doing improv, stand-up. Where were you doing that? Were you, how'd that go? I mean, what was that like? It, it was fun. It was a nice release. And for anyone that, that is uh, forward-facing in terms of clients, uh, being able to think quickly on your feet and to listen and play well off of others and get reaction and feedback, it was a great skill builder. And I, I still view it that way as a, as a professional speaker and, and a media person now. What, what I learned in those days are, are invaluable. I don't do comedy anymore, which... I guess means I used to be funny is the best way to describe it. <laughs> well, there really is no, I mean, it, it, it helps you in so many different aspects. I mean, obviously I've never been a stand-up comedian, but I know the value of being able to to speak in front of people, right? And 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 eat, whether it's comedy, whether it's a serious talk, whether but but the whole idea is if you can capture somebody's attention, um, that is a very, very valuable tool. Absolutely, Josh. I mean, I think even to my radio show where, uh, and you know this as, as someone in the podcast and broadcast world that, you know, you're, you're talking into a microphone and sometimes you're interviewing someone, sometimes you're not. And on the other side is your audience and you don't get to see their feedback. So uh, again, that, that those improv skills have certainly served me well. Well, and, and for those who don't know you uh, in the audience, I mean, you used to have a financial planning business uh, that I believe you sold in 2012. Now you focus on financial wellness. And I'm curious to kind of get things kicked off here. Can you touch on touch upon the differences between the two and and why you're focusing on the latter? Yeah. So uh, like many financial advisors, a big part of my practice was not only financial planning, but managing uh, investments. So I managed tens of million, about $100 million of uh, assets. And I just realized that I, I liked people or teaching people about the base 
basics of money instead. I mean, you know, $100 million financial practices, uh, it works. You know, I could have done that. I just, I didn't enjoy it as much as I, I liked presenting and helping people understand financial concepts. Uh, and so that's, that's financial wellness. And that's the weird part, Josh. There is only one piece of personal finance advice, and that is to spend less money than you make. All of us know that advice, but very few of us actually follow that. So financial wellness is a way to use uh, rhetoric and behavior and everything else to get people to do what they know they should do, but they refuse to do. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's you see it all the time in business. You see I see it all the time in franchising. I mean, the number one thing that that new franchise owners, the number one mistake they make is they're undercapitalized going into the equation. Now, a lot of times it's because they can't get their spending (laughs) under control or things end up costing a lot more. Uh, than they anticipated. So oftentimes I think it's, it's obviously, you know, easy uh, to say, keep the expenses down, uh, keep the revenue up. But I can tell you firsthand, as I'm sure, you know, I mean, it's hard to do and and it, it takes a lot of planning. Yeah, you know, for franchisees and entrepreneurs in general, it kind of always drives me crazy when I hear people say, you know, I'm taking a big risk going out on my own. And then you dig a little deeper and realize that they didn't change their lifestyle whatsoever. The, The sacrifices were stability, but they really didn't give their business the chance that they should have given it by cutting back their personal financial needs. And look, no one goes into entrepreneurship or business to make ends meet and just that. But but Josh, you're not really sacrificing or risking, in my opinion, and investing in your business for that matter, if you don't manage your personal finances appropriately. Um, And I, I think that's a big issue. I think a lot of times people look at their businesses to solve their personal financial problems. And I tend to believe it's the direct opposite. I believe that people should focus intently on their financial life in order to let them flourish with a stress-free sentiment on the other side of things. So then do you help people uh, ahead of them launching a business or buying a franchise or going into an entrepreneurial venture? Do you help them on the front end take a look at where they are with their finances, take sort of a, a, a big, big picture look at where they are and then help them plan for what they're about to undertake? Uh, not on a one-on-one basis anymore, although I did that for several years. Now it's really th- kind of through our tools that we've created, whether it be books or guides or our podcasts or whatever. We we do have those means of which to help people, uh, you know, get laser focused on their finances prior to, frankly, ignoring them for a long time. Because as an entrepreneur, your your attention turns to your business's finances and it's nice to earn the right to ignore your finances by by knowing what's going on. Uh, too often people are are split, their attention is split between their personal finances and their and their business finances. And it, as you've seen a lot of time as an attorney, the commingling of ideas and funds and everything else uh, clouds the entrepreneur's brain. Yeah, I mean it's a difficult thing. I mean because you have you have people who are starting a business and yeah, they have I mean if they're doing basic things right, they have a business account, they have a personal account, but they don't often think with that business brain to say, "Hey, I can't just go pull money from my business account. It's got to be related to the business and when I pay myself, I need to do this through, you know, uh certain means." 
perhaps get a payroll company, which is sort of a novel idea. And, do you know, set things up in a way to where you get out of of the mindset of it's just all my money and really thinking about how you're separating a business from the personal side of things. I find that a lot of people um, have a tough time with that for sure. Um, I do. I think people treat their businesses like a hobby and they expect business like revenues. Uh, but if you're not resourceful, then what good do more resources do? I've never quite understood that, that people look to grow their businesses through revenue when unless you're resourceful and you can make good, efficient use of that revenue, you're really barking up the wrong tree. So aside from uh, people making the mistake of spending more than they have or are letting their expenses outpace their, their, their revenue, I mean, what do you see uh, in terms of the biggest or, or pretty substantial mistake that you see first-time business owners make with money? Yeah, you know, you know, taking on too many investors when it's not necessary. You know, I'm a huge believer in bootstrapping a business. Um, I, I believe when you start handing out equity shares to people, um, especially early on when you're trying to go cheap and maybe you don't have money for a contractor to do this or that. So you think, well, hell, I'll just give them 10% or 1%. And, and, and I see that a lot, Josh. And, and, and you know, that's not best practices. It doesn't make a lot of sense to divest yourself in order to pay for services that uh, uh, really aren't that significant in the long run to your business. Yeah, no, that's a prime example of Pennywise dollar foolish in my mind. And you do see it because to to somebody who is truly bootstrapping, the idea that they could give up a small percentage of something but not have to come out of pocket for it doesn't seem all that bad until all of a sudden they they get more confidence and they realize that their business has legs or their idea has legs. And then they, <laughs> like you said, then they kick themselves. You know, why did I give away that percentage? Um, you know, that, that happens, that happens quite frequently. I mean, I, you know, the, from, from my financial uh, perspective, um, when, when people are evaluating businesses, because I get this question a lot, as I'm sure you do as well. I mean, wh what are some key indicators that you would tell a business owner, first time business owner when researching a business opportunity? You know, a mistake that I, I've seen recently, and it made me think back to the early years of my business, is that if your business just doesn't scale, you know, oftentimes you think, well, um, I'm going to be able to accomplish this, but the billing rate or the price you're charging, even at capacity, uh, isn't enough. I, I heard a story recently of a brewery opening, opening out in the West Coast. A friend of mine was telling me this, that the brewery itself was built in a way that it was impossible for it to be profitable, Josh. The, the e economics of opening the brewery, the startup costs, um, couldn't be recovered based on the brewing capacity of the brewery. So here's, here is someone jumping into like, Hey, the brewery business is hot. I'm going to jump in there. Yet the elementary numbers of profitability didn't exist from day minus 10 of the business. Uh, it, it was impossible for them to make money. See, that's, that's, I mean, and it's interesting, you know, looking at that from the outside in, you you know, we, we say, gosh, that's crazy. And most people would say that's crazy. But, you know, for 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 them going through that process, I mean, it's in they, they obviously didn't have the the right um, uh, the, the right mentors in place or people in place to help help uh, help them through that process. And I, I, I see that a lot. I mean, do you see yourself a lot of times serving as sort of a mentor 
for people through the process? Because it sounds like you don't do the individual coaching as much anymore, um, but you're more teaching on the concepts. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so, whether, again, be through radio books or whatever. I, um, for me, whether it's personal finances or even business acumen, there's a huge chasm that exists between knowing what to do and then taking action, Josh. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, we get so convoluted in our minds with all the, you know, the bric-a-brac of, of running a business that common sense stuff just falls by the wayside. Um, so, for, so for me, you know, people have laughed and said, hey, are you a motivational speaker? You know, that's got a weird connotation to it. But the reality is my goal is to motivate people to take action the correct way because the difference between knowing there's an idea and taking action, again, it's a pretty big difference. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you are doing a lot of speaking. What, didn't you speak 260 plus times last year around the country? (laughs) How does that happen? How does that work? Oh, man, I'll tell you. um, it's weird. I mean, I always figured I would talk for a living and, and, and maybe if people are listening to this now, they're thinking, man, those people should get their money back. But 262 times in 2014, it involved a tremendous amount of uh, airline miles and uh, several presentations a day in many circumstances. And even this year, March through April, I'll do uh, well over 40 gigs uh, from March 1st to April 30th uh, here in 15. So who, who are you speaking to? Is it, is it, um, college age students? Is it retirees? Is it business owners? I mean, who, who, who are you focusing on with, with these speeches or is it all over the place? You know, just a consistent message. Uh, primarily people that hire have poor tastes in speakers. <laughs> no, I, I, I do a lot of corporate gigs, a ton of fortune 500 companies are our clients, uh, at Pete, the planner financial wellness. And I, I speak on behalf of a number of financial and retirement companies. Uh, I work alongside financial advisors, investment advisors now, and and help their clients, whether it be individuals or generally corporations. I help the individuals within those corporations understand their personal finances better so that a, a true financial advisor can come in and serve them better. Here's another way to say it, Josh. Uh, our, our lives are split into three parts financially, our past, our present, and our future the financial world as it exists today only serves our future. There aren't a lot of resources uh, and there aren't a, ways to, a lot of ways to compensate advisors for helping people with their present and their pasts. My firm does that. We, we fix past, we fix present and allow people to earn the right to focus on their future through retirement planning. I love that explanation. That may, that that's, that's great, Pete. Seriously, that that's a great explanation of it. And it's, it's almost the more important part of it. I mean, obviously planning for the future is huge, but if you can have great plans, but if you don't have great practices, those plans will never be realized. So it sounds like what you deal with are helping people um, overcome some of their, maybe their past uh, bad practices, maybe get better understanding with their practices so that they can build a solid foundation and see through the plan that these financial advisors are putting in place for them. Yeah. The best part about that, Josh, is that there's no socio socioeconomic bias to it. There's no educational bias to it. I'll, I'll speak to someone that has a doctorate that makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that it has the exact negative behaviors as someone who is completely uneducated and makes $20,000 a year. So, um, that's the, the, the unique aspect of what I do is that I really have no concern over how much money you make or how much you have or how educated you are. 
because we're all still dealing with the same behavioral issues. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, so let, let me just ask this as we I know we're, we're going to wind down here uh, in a couple minutes, but. You know, my audience, there's, there's a lot of people who are considering franchises, who are looking to get in the game. And, and uh, you know, it's a mix of, of people who have been in the corporate world, uh, which certainly you understand for many, many years. And maybe they've been downsized or they're recently retired. And um, they're trying to get back in the, in the business game and they're looking for different franchise opportunities. I mean, one of the things I often get asked, and I'll, and I'll uh, kick this over to you, is – where should they start? I mean, outside of just, you know, searching on the internet, but from a financial perspective, um, what should be some of the things that they should be sure that they're looking into um, before they just jump right back into the business game? You know, I like to think of our expenses as obligations. The idea that every bill you have over the course of a month is an obligation, an obligation for you to earn more income. And so to take the pressure off yourself to reduce those obligations simply makes sense. Even from my own personal uh, definition of success is no longer make as much money as you need to get ever whatever you want. That's what it, to some degree used to be my definition of success. Now it's to have as few obligations as possible. And that's not me being cheap. That's just me removing myself for the quest to always have, have and need more money. So I, I, I challenge entrepreneurs to cut their expenses as much as they can to accomplish that. Well, Pete, it's been great interviewing you. Um, obviously, uh, we, we could talk about many other things as you have a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge. Um, before we before we hang up, tell us where we can not only find you, find out more about you and um, and anything else you want to want to leave the show with. Sure, sure. Just PeteThePlanner.com. You know, on Twitter, I, I, I use Twitter as a medium to uh, answer questions for anyone. And, and that's the kind of the fun part of my job is that you know, I'm getting 50 to 100 emails from people all over the country. Uh, we take those emails and either welcome those people onto our podcast or we write them up on, on our blog or in the newspaper or on the radio. So we can get people answers to questions that generally uh, well, freak people out, Josh. Well, no, that's great. And maybe at a later date, I'll have you, I'll have you sort of back on to, to hone in on some, some more specific, uh, financial aspects that I know franchisees and, and, uh, and business owners deal with, but, but thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseeuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.